they see on yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, there's only one place to start. The big news of the week, which you kind of broke to me, I think, yesterday, mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. that Nicholas Hammond, the star of the 1970s Spider-Man TV shows and films, mm -hmm. actually appeared in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, it was it was quite a revelation to me. Uh, came up randomly in a YouTube video that I was watching, talking about them. once. Okay, and they mentioned Talk. that it was Nicholas Hammond's star of Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. And then not only mentioned that it was Nicholas Hammond's star of Spider-Man, then played the intro to the Amazing Spider-Man show, and, wow. point, and pointed out that the music was painfully funky, uh, but in a good way. Of yeah, and basically the, the the role, I don't know if you, I'm assuming maybe you Googled it, but the role he's playing is the uh, movie director, the kind of silver-haired movie director that's talking right. with DiCaprio. That, that's Hammond himself. Brilliant. Um, he kind of reminded me in that role, visually anyway, like facially, he kind of reminded me a little bit of Peter Fonda. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit. Yeah, I can imagine that. I need to check it out again for myself. That's cool, man. I wonder if he's like got a, you know, a career as a... A character actor for these types of things, or if it was just a case of Tarantino calling him up because uh, <laughs> he used to be Spider-Man. I honestly think it's the latter, and I'd yeah. kind of li like to think it's the latter. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know either way, and, and it will be something eventually when I have the time I might look into, but my suspicion is that he hasn't been acting full-time. Maybe he's been, who knows, producing, writing, doing other things in Hollywood, but I'm pretty certain that it was a tribute uh, of sorts to uh, just who he is from yes. Tarantino because yes. I think if you're going to cast somebody to play a, a slightly older director you wouldn't you naturally you wouldn't think gravitate to to Nicholas Hammond uh, somebody that let's face it as big fans as we are he's hardly been around I mean when was <laughs> can you think of any credit in the last I don't know 40 years no. that you're like yeah that was notable from Nicholas Hammond so well, yeah, how, old, how old is Quentin Tarantino it's a good question he must be mid in fact, probably even late fifties now. Maybe, maybe mid fifties. Maybe 50, mid fifty-four. Maybe even early fifties now. He could be. I mean, I can look this up as we talk. My um, guess. I like so to guess. I guess. I'll say uh, fifty-four. I'll say fifty. I think you're bang on. I'll go fifty-four as well. I'm... Oh, actually, a little older. He's fifty-seven. Fifty-seven. Yeah, I mean, uh, so he's got like twelve years on me. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it could have been this, the Spider-Man shows had a pretty big impact on him, right? I mean, I, I think so. Uh, and I think, you know, when you think about the, the kind of time period that he's paying homage to, kind of old Hollywood, I think yeah, yeah. it kind of, kind of fits in with that, um, that whole vibe. Um, and being out in California, which, I'm, you know, uh, and I'm sure... Uh, which is again, where, of course, uh, Spider-Man was shot, the original series, not New York. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would. I, I mean, Tarantino. Uh, anyone that's seen him speak uh, on any subject, I mean, he's kind of quite encyclopedic when it comes to popular culture, and obviously in particular films, but also TV shows. And I think I'd be, I would be highly surprising to me if you said to Tarantino, "So what do you make of the uh, 1970s Spider-Man show?" I'd be very surprised if he doesn't have an opinion on it, and I'd be very, and I'd be more surprised if it isn't positive, because uh, he'd be the, I guess he'd be the right age of kid probably uh, to be getting bang into that, etc. So I'm sure he, I'm sure he's into it. Yeah, especially since at the time it was probably kind of cutting edge. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, you and me, maybe I'm not sure. I guess we didn't see it till a little after the fact in the UK and stuff. 
Yeah. But certainly at the time that it came out, I mean, obviously we were young watching it, but uh, as rudimentary as the uh, special effects may have been, I believe them 100%. And it was just the thrill of seeing a superhero in live action, which was pretty rare, other than Superman, basically, at that time. Well, there was the Batman TV show, but it wasn't, that, it wasn't as spectacular, let's say. Well, it was still yeah. good. It was still good, but I don't think it was as spectacular as... I don't it wasn't it was... as serious. I mean, the, the ambition, in a, in, a, in a bizarre way, that went behind the, the Spider-Man TV show... I mean, when you think about it, the tone, it was striking. I mean, the music was funky, but it's also quite serious, like menacing funk. Uh, and it's quite adult in a way. It's not like it's, you know, oh, the yes, Batman... There's some stuff that definitely scared me as a kid. Like, there's one of the films, The Dragon's Challenge, mm-hmm. where there's, like, some mind control involved, and I think even Peter Parker is subject to it. I just and wish that the modern... Well, I'll let you finish that thought, but just because this one will escape me. I wish the modern Marvel Universe had the balls to release a Spider-Man movie called The Dragon's Challenge. But go on. Yeah, or even tackle Spider-Man in a more adult way. Yeah, yeah. But go on, there's a mind control element. Yeah, I recall this now. And don't they become mind control element. It reminds me of, uh, you know, yeah, he's messing with ninjas and stuff. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of Halloween 3. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't recall, but I'm sure I did back in the Halloween 3 is a film that completely freaked me out as a kid. And again, it's like uh, some kind of toy company that's manufacturing these toy pumpkins. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and in it, they've got like a mind control device. And okay. yeah, they, uh, uh, that really freaked me out as a kid. And there's uh, okay. Dragon's Challenge also freaked me out as a kid mm. because of the mind control stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just think that with... Uh, Do you talk about that in your therapy session still, or is that... Is this not? Hold on. Oh, is no. Podcast or a therapy session? No, this is a podcast, man. This is the podcast. Yeah. When is our next therapy? Tomorrow session? night. Tomorrow night, this time. The lines are blurring between. Yeah, I know they are, but let's keep it to the podcast for now, right? And you, but you said that your goal with me was to make them one. And I'm just scared that no, you're, I ne- no, you're I never kind said of that. using me. No, you said, you said that was your goal in our last session. But we'll, we'll pick that up tomorrow. What do you think? You think keep them, still keep them separate? I think, I think keep them separate. This is want, about films and things. I want the listeners to understand the real me, though. So do I. So do I. But let's talk about films and things like that. Are TV sure? shows. Yeah. Yeah. Not the stuff that about what happened when we were small. I mean, we'll t- tomorrow we can get into that. Maybe we can splice okay. some in to this okay, show. Yeah, okay. No, it's, yeah. A bit, it's a bit heavy, yeah. to be sure. To be yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Well... What I mean, when, when I'm thinking back now to watching the Batman series versus the Spider-Man series, I think overall I was more excited by the Spider-Man series. Yeah, I think I was too. And I think, like I said, that was something to do with the fact that it seemed to be aimed at, at adults in a way. Um, and that was kind of a cool thing to see as a kid. Um, the Batman show had a, a little bit too much of a wink, maybe. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have very long memories. Yeah, and I, I have memories of, you know, the shark repellent and all that. And the movie in particular, the feature-length one, Yeah, I think had an impact on me. Yeah, yeah, great. I loved it. But I think the Spider-Man, I, I, for me personally, things have changed over the years. But when I was a little kid, it was, the number one and two were Superman and Spider-Man. And maybe it would change depending on the day. But Batman was up there, but he wasn't quite quite at their level for me when I was very small. So I think, yeah, I think it's a combination of things. But I think well, the I, Spider-Man I think, show was more exciting. 
I think, you know, the 70s was the era of Superman and Spider-Man, wasn't it? Of, and, well, 60s you know, and 70s. 60s and 70s and 80s, up until the, well, the first half of the 80s. And then you had the Dark Knight Returns and uh, Tim Burton's Batman and the Dark Knight emerged. I mean, it's not, it's, yeah. not the, it's not the Batman was a nobody. I always loved Batman, but he was, up until that point, you had the Batman TV show and you had him in the comics and... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there were different. There were two different animals most of the time, but uh, they didn't somehow. somehow I think didn't, didn't quite break into the, the the consciousness. I think. I mean, the Burton film. When I when I look back, uh, I would say in my lifetime, and obviously this may be particular to me alone, or it could be some. I, I would imagine though that a lot of people feel similarly. Well, your lifetime I, is specific to you. Well, of course, that, yeah. But, but there, I, there is a possibility that somebody else was born at the same moment as you, will die at the same moment as you, but I don't think, it, I don't think that's... Well, in my life thus far, I mean, I'm not tracking my... <laughs> how long I have to live uh, in, in this equation. But um, in my experience, shall we say then, or in, you know, in everything that I've seen, uh, in terms of when a movie's coming out and the hype that surrounds it, and this is pre-internet, of course, I still have a memory of the uh, Tim Burton Batman posters appearing and the power of the fact that it was just a bat symbol looking badass. And I think think it did, even though Batman was already a very well-established icon, that movie did clearly kind of, it was like a final stamp of kind of just iconic status that kind of, because yeah, until then, it really only had a TV movie. And this was like basically, even before it was released, it was just in the air that this is going to be the biggest thing ever. And this is at a time where superhero movies were not fashionable, particularly. No. Uh, and they were sort of looked down upon to some extent. Well, you, uh, you, just, you just had the most recent ones have been Superman 3 and Quest for Peace. I mean, yeah. And, and I think generally as a genre, I think even when Superman was riding high, i.e., one of two, even then, I think that was seen as the exception. Um, you know, but like, there wasn't there wasn't anything else. Well, exactly. But I think the genre itself. I think people thought, well, yes, yeah, Superman. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we can make a movie about him, and you know, Donner did a good job. But I think the general consensus seemed to be it's not really a genre. Like, why would you like? Uh, you know, adults want to see Dirty Harry. Adults want to see you know, uh, the the French Connection. Why would we make a fucking superhero film? That, that, it, that has an aesthetic that is as dark, let's say, as, as Burns, for example. But well, yeah, when Batman came out, it's, the, it's, the, it's not the biggest film, clearly, that's been and gone in my, in my time. But I remember that, the, the kind of lead up to that film being released. And there was a palpable hype. Uh, and it's, it's it left a lasting impression on, on how I view advertising campaigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, most of the time, for me, less is actually more. Um, I think if, for example, if they were to announce, fingers crossed, and I'm sure we'll get to this in a minute, but in this uh, Comic-Con Online event, Fandom, um, if DC, for example, did uh, announce Man of Steel 2, I think if they just literally had one image of Henry Cavill as Superman okay. uh, doing anything, really, but maybe just in, a, in, a, in an interesting pose, suggesting a certain type of scene, whatever, one image. And just be like, yeah, Man of Steel 2 coming. That would but, keep... But most importantly, it was great. 
it was like well yeah like one powerful image let's say it's him i don't know uh maybe it's him taking flight just about to take flight and he's uh, in front of the fortress of solitude and it basically just establishes that the, there is a force of solitude and it's created in this film, whatever it may be. Something really like... Yeah, maybe, maybe kind of like... The force of solitude is different, but it's kind of... You know, Superman the movie, when he kind of flies and he curves. Mm -hmm. Like something a recreation like that. of that. flying out, but it's new. It's yeah, new. something like that and, and something... Yeah, that maybe, like you say, has, has some something in it that really gives you... Like something that I would say is equivalent to the bank vault reveal of Henry Cavill as Superman. Something that's uh, maybe that was, not... That was pretty exciting. You just took my anticipation of the fandom much higher because I never... I suppose the reality is if they are going to announce a Superman film, and that's that's still uh, a this big question mark hangs over that, but if they do, why wouldn't they arrange a still? In well, a I think the most... Well, for me, the most likely thing, and it's and it's kind of, I think... Probably the track record would reflect this, certainly with DC and probably with Marvel too, actually. I think the best we could hope for, obviously the likes of you and me are, are hoping more than anything just for the announcement. But yeah. if we get the announcement, I think that in terms of any kind of real material to cling to, I would imagine the best we can really hope for is uh, some kind of a poster, similar to what they did when they revealed Batman v Superman. A poster, yeah, that's, that's as far as it could go. And I think we could get something very interesting, though, because let's face it, imagine, and obviously this top off the top of my head, and there's mil probably a million things you could do that would be a, lo a logo, a logo. Well, yeah, so imagine, and, and again, I think this would generate a lot of excitement, but let's say, you know, but there's at least 20 other things that you could probably come up with uh, that would generate more. But let's say you just, similar to how they did with uh, BBS, if you just have the standard Superman symbol come up, so everyone obviously would, would start clapping. Uh, because, you know, let's say they just come out and say, okay, we're going to announce something, and then the S show comes up. Obviously, people would roar, and then at that point, maybe the S show just starts to disintegrate and disappear, and Brainiac symbols start to kind of erase it, or something. And, yeah. that, and then it says underneath, as that happens, and the, and the shield starts to erode and break up, then the title just appears underneath the broken up S shield. Something like that. that people would go mental. So, and I think if we're going to be realistic, because I don't think we will get an action shot, because no, you know, I just I don't see that happening. I don't, think they, I don't think they filmed anything. No, and I don't think they would care to to try and get a photo shoot. To you know, why bother? It, it, you know, they can get more excitement just with, with a with a with a good drum. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you remember the roar when the bat symbol appears behind the uh, S shield, yeah. and and as bad as that film turned out to be. <laughs> That I mean, that moment was better than than many films. Yeah. As bad as as bad as that film turned out to be, but you know what? Last night I was sitting um, in the living room at the at the request of my wife, listening to "Beautiful Lie," the opening song of uh, Batman v Superman from Zimmer. Mm -hmm. Haunting, powerful stuff. And you know, I like Bruce Wayne's speech, even though it's it's cryptic. You know, in the past there were there were diamond absolutes. And I've since read interpretations of that speech where they're saying, yeah, this is before Superman, there was like diamond absolutes. And I'm like, okay, well, that's quite good, but it's unclear, you know, like so much of Snyder's stuff. It's like, it's so mm -hmm. vague that you can almost interpret anything out of it. And therefore, would that, that would be good if it was clearer. Well, you know, I mean, they had, didn't they have an Oscar? I mean, an Oscar winner was working on the dialogue. So there will be diamonds in the rough, but the film is rough. And. Oh. Yeah, you know, and 
I, the more it's, it's it's a real shame because uh, as we discussed many times, as a big big fan of Batman and Superman and everything DC, it, it pains me to have a film. It's the opposite of a Stanley Kubrick film. Stanley Kubrick film. Every time you go back to it, you're like, wow, this, I didn't see that before. That's amazing, or or whatever. Every time I go back to to the Snyderverse, apart from you know Man of Steel, pretty much, I I, I find more I don't like. I find more that doesn't make sense. I find more that irritates me. So. I mean, yeah, there are cool things in it. As we've said, again, you know, there's individual sequences. Yeah. There's not much. Yeah. But, you know, like the, the, the warehouse fight, there's things I don't like about that sequence. But overall... Yeah, but um, if, you, if, you, if, I told, if I had told you, let's say just before Man of Steel was released, when, the, when we both thought it was going to be the greatest film of all time, mm-hmm. and I'd said to you, yeah, I've come from the future. Mm-hmm. Following Man of Steel, they're going to do Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. And then you'd be, and you'd be like, Jesus Christ! And yeah. then I'd tell, well, here's how many good scenes there are: two point one, you know. No, of course, I'd be I, like, well, two point one out of like hundred yeah. are good. It's yeah, it's, it's you, you it's, wouldn't believe it. You'd be like, that can't be right. There must be more. And you'd be like, yeah, it's a follow-on from Man of Steel. Batman's reacting to Superman's arrival on Earth, and all that. You'd be mm-hmm. like, oh Jesus, this. Uh, you know, a phrase we've used in the past, uh, this writes itself, you know, this is impossible, almost impossible to fuck up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I was thinking the other day, and I agree entirely with what you just said, but there's something that, for example, I don't think I had really thought out before, but in particular, as being primarily a Superman fan, and, you know, obviously a huge fan of Batman too, but a Superman fan, first and foremost, when, when I think about how he comes off in both edits of BBS, frankly, he kind of, he feels like he disappears when he's not in it. And, and it's all, he just comes yeah. in to the story. And good, then he comes out of the story. Right? There's no feeling of we are with him and let's see how, his, how re, he's really reacting emotionally to anything, really. He just comes in to the story, leaves the story. Comes into the story, leaves the story. And that's why there's no wait. I mean, he fucking dies. And I'm like, in the movie, I'm just like, uh-huh, okay, he's dead. Like, imagine if Reeve, if his Superman had died. Imagine, I'd be fucking, I would be inconsolable. And in a good way, though, I'd be, but the emotion, I would, honestly, I think I, I would weep openly, probably. If Donner had directed a Superman death scene where he sacrificed himself, I mean, come on. And then you watch BBS and it's like, oh, yeah, there he is, he's dead. No, no emotion. Yeah, I can't help but feel that's Dan Snyder and perhaps his lack of interest in the character. I really don't know. I think, I mean, whether or not he's he's disinterested or just didn't it's throw fail, it off. Failure is, yeah. I mean, who knows? But I think he does treat, I think his problem to some extent is that I think he was way more interested in observing uh, Superman as an alien god and, and didn't really want to tackle him as just a, a kind of good farm boy with superpowers. I mean, part of the appeal of Superman really is the fantasy of what would I do, you know, if I had these godlike powers? And the majority of people that gravitate to being a fan of Superman would probably, in the larger part, try to do good things, foil people like Lex Luthor, etc. So I think to have these movies that, that basically look at him as a god king is to miss the point, really. I think uh, you need to see him to some extent as a human being, uh, despite the fact that he isn't one. And I really don't think, even in Man of Steel, I really don't think he quite managed to show us Kal-El as, as kind of just a, a being, you know, not a, not a super being. I think he was too focused on 
the Superman, not Superman. Totally agree. I think the last few days I've, uh, I was listening to Mark Kermode's uh, review of Superman Returns. And he yeah. said, uh, you know, uh, basically he liked it a lot. And he mm -hmm. said that um, there's a lot of character development and uh, a lot of people think of Superman as in invulnerable and therefore not interesting. But yeah. actually, uh, Superman Returns shows his vulnerabilities, uh, mm -hmm. you know, his human side. Um, and that's true, right? Because you could have hurt Brandon Rouse Superman with uh, something that he, you know, just the relationship that Lois Lane had, that was hurt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, the kid, you know, that would have hurt him if there was something that happened to him. Uh, mm -hmm. whether, whatever you think of these things and how he reacted, they were vulnerabilities. They could, uh -huh. have, they could have messed with him. Um, yeah, and I think that I agree. And I think in Man of Steel, for example, and in, uh, well, actually, if you just want to look at Man of Steel, I think that the, the, even though they, they, they take the time to establish that he has a good connection with his mother and father, uh, there's never really a sense that, for example, if Zod killed his mother, there's never really a sense that that would drive him mad yeah. um, or really break him. Um, his mother's kind of at the end of her life, you know, no offense, Ma, Kent, but, you know, she's not, you know, like like you were saying, if if the kid in Superman Returns, if Lex Luthor had just fucking beheaded him <laughs> with a laser or something, that would be like, okay, you've broken Superman. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, but basically, um, Cabell's Superman really doesn't have much, I mean, what can you do to him? Well, you can kill him, and then he's brought back from the dead by the well, fire. Well, yeah, exactly. So you can do nothing. You can kill him, and then not even that, you know, does the trick. So, and, you know, and I think we've covered it before, but while we're touching on the subject, just, just for a few seconds, literally, it is one of those things when you look back in the Snyder films, I think probably, as we've, I think, acknowledged, one of the biggest crimes against particularly, specifically Superman uh, is the handling of, of his resurrection, um, the way they rush through it. When you, but the, the real reason that it's an insult is when you think of the potential, the cinematic potential. You think about like Gandalf coming back, things like that, the way that they treat it with reverence, like, fuck, Gandalf's back. Superman should have been, Superman coming back should have been fucking like Christ-like. And instead, yeah. it's just like, we're digging him up, we're chucking him in the pool, Oh, he's a, oh look, he's evil. It's it's one of the worst handled things. Really, it should have been it should have no. been an out, out of body experience seeing Superman return. No, it's it's for me it's worse than cheap pornography. I mean, I think it's worse than than you know. I think it's worse than any kind of pornography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a bigger crime than than, than any any pornography that's been yeah. made by man. I'd go along with that. Um, turning our attention back to the DC fandom, uh, well, how significant or insignificant is it that they released the latest kind of promo with the John Williams Superman music? I don't know, because with Warner Brothers, everything's like, you know, you end up disappointed. Um, it, could, <laughs> it could be that some random executive is like, yeah, let's stick that on. People like that music. Or it could be that it's like, yeah, we're, we actually have that in store and this is a cool little hint. Who knows? I'd love to think it's uh, the latter. Yeah, it could just be them thinking, well, we've got a lot of Superman fans. They like the kind of older version of Superman. Let's just play this. Because yeah, and we, we paid for this music. We don't, you know, it's not like, you know, they could have commissioned a new fandom theme or something. But so, yeah, I hope it's an indication. And I hope they're not just, you know, 
just doing it because it's easy. Yeah. I mean, when you saw on the, the promo, they had, like, pictures of the Flash. I think it was, like, Grant Gustin's Flash, though, from the TV. Okay. That's a bit strange. Yeah, I think it was. They had uh, something from Suicide Squad. They had the mm -hmm. Wonder Woman I saw. Okay. Uh, are you excited for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad? I mean, I wouldn't... I, I don't know if I'd use the, the word excited, but I would say that it's a strange, I suppose it's a little strange situation because I wouldn't say I'm excited for the film, but at the same time, I'm pretty confident when I'm in the cinema, I'll, I'll enjoy it because I think he's a very capable director of fun films. And I think after the firing and the whole business that he had with Disney, I think he probably really wants to knock this one out of the park. Um, especially as the last one, even though it made money, it wasn't quite the, the hit, certainly critically, that they probably hoped for. So I'm, I'm expecting it to be actually pretty damn good uh, on an entertainment level. But, you know, I don't particularly have much connection. The, the characters that are involved, I, I, you know, traditionally speaking, I'm, I'm not that big a follower of. So. But we'll see. I, I think it'll be fun. I don't think it's going to do a lot of money. I mean, I'm not that interested either. Harley Quinn did 200 million like global box office, man. And she was like, apart from the Joker, who's not in the Suicide Squad, she was probably the most famous character. I cannot see this film doing well. I think the only thing that can save it, and luckily enough, they do have James Gunn, because like I say, he may not be my favorite director, but I think when you look at what he's done, it's, it's yeah. usually pretty entertaining. So I think if the film is, is good, and it doesn't need to be brilliant, but if it's good, it'll make a certain amount of money. It'll at least do what the first one did, and the first one did nothing in a sequel. I don't know about that, man. The seven fifty, the first one, which is huge. Yeah, but I think if the film is an improvement, um, they had yeah, the Joker on that in film. It. People love the Joker, and I suppose they did have Batman, and they did. Yeah, they had I think they even you didn't they use Batman? I think they had him in the trailers. I think. Can, can you imagine, right? People are going to come out and say, "Oh, Suicide Squad." Oh, but that last one was garbage. What's happening in it? Well, is the Joker in it? No. Is Batman in it? No. It's just the last one was garbage. The two yeah. main characters that were the selling point of the previous one aren't in it. Harley Quinn, she's in it, but she's been proven to be not that popular. Because I saw the film Harley Quinn, and I really liked it. Birds of Prey, or whatever it's called. Um, I, can, I, can, I see the, 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 the picture you're painting, and I, I largely agree. I think it, for the reasons you've stated, it is something of an underdog. But like I said, and I don't want to come off as... Uh, you know, like I'm, I'm crushing on James Gunn here, but I think he is, I agree. you know, a, a pretty stellar director. And I think if the it's trailers great. are good and the film is good, I think it will make, I think it will make money. I mean, maybe to say that it will make the same as the first is ambitious, but I don't see it. I think if the film itself is, is a, a, a well-made quality film, I think it will do okay. I really can't see it bombing, despite everything you just said. Just because, you know, I, I trust him. I, when you look at Guardians of the Galaxy films, when you look at, I can't recall now, I looked him up recently, and, you know, everything he's done, I think, is, is of a certain quality. So I'm expecting it to do okay. But, yeah, I mean, like you, it's a funny situation, though, because I'm not excited. <laughs> no. Maybe the trailer will change that. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, if, if he's made a film that's an improvement on the first, then I think the trailer will probably be pretty rocking, right? So... Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But um, I mean, it will have to go some to get me properly excited. And then, of course, we're going to get a trailer that I would imagine will be close to. I would bet. I would bet it's 
There's a possibility it'll be more than four minutes long in the trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League. I would imagine it'll be quite long, yeah. Um, four minutes, maybe. Um, if I had to guess, I would guess the first trailer anyway, maybe more like two, two and a half, 240. But we'll see. Um, I mean, I don't think it'll be... Certainly, I'm not expecting like a 20-second, 30-second. I think the, the, I think they want to make a splash, and I think they want to show that they have a bunch of footage that you haven't seen. Yeah, they have something different. And then yeah. we'll get, I assume we'll get a new Wonder Woman trailer, and we'll probably get the first Batman teaser. I think the only thing that is rivaling the Batman teaser for me, because basically when the, Bat, when the, the, when the first proper, even if it's short, but the first proper trailer for the new Batman film comes out, the only thing that's rivaling that in terms of my excitement for you know, clicking that link and seeing it is the June trailer. Oh, yeah, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty. yeah, but that's not going to be a DC fan film. No, no, no. I'm just talking generally. So it's, it's your most anticipated trailer other than June. Yeah, I mean, June, if you, if, if you said to me I can go now to like uh, a luxurious IMAX cinema and watch either June or the Batman, I think I'd choose June. You know, it's, it's a really, it's a very tough question for me. I think I would probably go, let's say it's a proper trailer, like a two-minute, whatever. No, I'm uh, talking about the film. You see, they can see the film. Oh, right. Um, I would go for Batman. I, yeah. You know, I mean, my heart. <laughs> as my, but the thing is, again, there's a, it's a slightly unusual situation because I would go for Batman, but if I had to lay down hard money on yeah, which film right. I'd prefer, yeah, well, that's certainly in the long term, just on the strength of Villeneuve alone, I would have to say, yeah, okay, that, that June is most likely going to be the better film and i expect it i you know i have very very high expectations for that film on every level um whereas the batman let's face it i'm just incredibly curious because it's a new take on batman yeah and i don't know if i could resist having an early ticket screening to see that yeah that would be sensational man brings me back i'm just thinking back to uh watching the dark knight on its uh, opening night mm. so a wonderful cinema experience, easily one of the top five cinema experiences in my life. Easily, it was IMAX, right? Yeah, it was just a normal screen, I think. Because I recall uh, seeing it wasn't the first time I saw it, but when I did see the, the Dark Knight in IMAX, that was uh, that was quite something. I mean, you really uh, get when you see an IMAX, you really get that you get why no one uses it. <clears throat> yeah, I believe it, man. I believe it. Well, I think we got to wrap up there. Yeah, it's been real. Hopefully, time waits, covered. Time waits for no man. But we'll, we'll continue the discussion next week as the, as the build-up to DC fandom continues. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be many other tidbits, like the Nicholas Hammond one, to comment on as well. Indeed. Uh, and I'll leave you with one quick question. Uh, please, please do. Uh, just from left field. If you were to compile your uh, list of the top 15 rock tracks... Mm-hmm. Of all time, what do you think the chances are that uh, "Loving the Alien" by the Velvet Revolver was featured? I don't Top know. 15. I don't know if I call it. I don't well, it's it's in the rock genre. I no. mean, it's it's on a rock album. Put it that way. It wouldn't be in there. Okay. It's a great song, but I think, for example, "Slither" by Velvet Revolver is more of a rock classic. Yeah, but when I say top 15 rock, I don't mean rocking out. I mean the genre of rock. So anything within that genre, is, is, you know, 
Yeah, but if you played Love and Alien and said, "What genre of music is this?" I don't think every I don't think people would say instantly. No, I, 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 I would say so, but but we can debate this next time, perhaps. It's, it's not what I think about when I think about a classic rock song. It's no, but I, I can't think of another genre that you would call it. Yeah, I mean, if you think about some Bowie songs, for example, they're not really rock in a way, but they are kind of in that genre. I remember covering Loving the Alien at um, a Reading Open Mic Night, and the mm -hmm. guy afterwards, with you, mm -hmm. the guy afterwards coming up and saying, did you write that? Yeah, and I think, was it me or you? Was it you that said yes? Did we <laughs> said yes, right? I'm pretty sure it was you. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, you, you may as well take credit, right? But you, you must have had songs that you've written that, that people say, did you write that? Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, it hasn't happened that often to me, but when it does happen, I mean, mm -hmm. In fact, I'm trying to think now, has that actually happened or is this just my imagination? But mm -hmm. it's almost the highest compliment you can be paid. Well, the most, I suppose, more common than, than somebody actually saying, like, you know, did you write that? I've had people say, if I'm strumming a song or what have you, I've had people say, like, what is that? Assuming it's an existing song, mm. you know, which I suppose is a similar compliment because uh, yeah. they at least assume it's a real song, if you know what yeah. I mean. So, yeah, yeah. You're making well, it anyway, these days. Bits and pieces, but being fa a family man like yourself, uh, time is of the essence. So yeah, I, do, I, I plan to do uh, some recording soon, but uh, I will let you and the listenership know about that. Yeah, we can put it on the DC on some feed. Yeah, if, I think, uh, you know, this is where probably people should be coming to get their musical, uh, uh, you know, their musical out there anyway, so... Yeah, together yeah. musical education. <laughs> yeah, if, if not, if not us, who? Well, that's why I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, people. Uh, next week, um, how long till DC Fandom? It's like two weeks. Uh, yeah, two weeks on Saturday. So, plenty of time to hype. Yeah, plenty of time uh, to build ourselves up. I finished reading a Doomsday Clock, by the way. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to catching it. Pretty insane, man. If you, uh, I would definitely recommend it. If you message me, Facebook message or something, me your uh, your address, I'll send it to you. Okay, yeah, cool. I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm looking forward to. It. I mean, I, I understand that the, at least the climax, or at least part, a big part of it, is some kind of a showdown with the Manhattan and Superman, right? Yeah, kind of builds to that. Yeah, which is but yeah. The, Cool. But but let's just say that there's it's uh, quite thoughtful as well as exciting. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, I mean, there were certain people, you know, perhaps purists um, of the original that maybe were I don't know not looking forward to it. But I think most of the reviews that I caught were were pretty uh, pretty good. So yeah, yeah, man, it's uh, it's definitely something, you know. It's definitely. Uh, they got the people that, that made it certainly um uh it's a piece of art it's a piece of art mm -hmm. yeah like you, you saw the show right the show the watchman uh, television show no oh man watch that yeah i heard it got nominated for an emmy <clears throat> you but, should watch it um i think my advice is to watch it and and to uh because i my memory of it is that the first couple of episodes, I wasn't really sure. Um, I wasn't really sure how I felt about it. But by the end, really, really, really loved it. So I would, 
Highly recommend checking out. Yeah. Well, I've heard it's great. Yeah, it's very good. I'll leave you with I'll leave you with uh, just the yes or no question. Yep. And um, so you just say yes or no, and uh, mm. and we leave it at that. Mm. Um, I have to be honest. I thought of the idea of delivering a yes or no question without actually having a question in mind. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to give it right now. It's right, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the next sequel, so it'd be like Spider-Man: Homecoming three or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you feel? Green Goblin is the main villain, yes or no? Yes. I got that's pretty good. I like the the last one I did was uh, we'll, we'll end the podcast there. So, no. the one I did was uh, Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck's Batman versus Jared Leto's Joker HBO Max show. And you were just like, yes or no? And you were like, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That the, and that was the end of the podcast. And I still think it's one of the best endings to any podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> I think which is a good format. We should at least some of the time have that yes, no ending. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, cool, man. But yeah, the Green Goblin, it's time for him to make a comeback. I mean, the Green Goblin is kind of like uh, Spider-Man's Joker, isn't he? Yeah, and I think they've made two films. That's enough of a groundwork that people can't really complain that you're just running to the goblin already. It's like, yeah. let's, you know, it's like it's time, yeah. Although, given the choice, I'd probably go Dr. Octopus. Yeah, maybe I would too, but at the same time, if the question is, is the time kind of ready for him? I say yes, whether it's the next film or the one after. I, to be honest, I'd, I'd even go full-blown. I'd, I'd do a Dr. Octopus film. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't done that. You know, Sony own the rights to the villains. I just do, yeah, Doctor Octopus the film. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'd be up for it. It'd be pretty fucking great. Yeah. Man, it was a pleasure as usual. Yeah, man, you too. Uh, well, love to the girls. Uh, love to the family, dude. And uh, we'll do one next week. Yeah, yeah. Just let me know what works best for you. Sweet, my man. Take it easy, dude. Take care, bro. So, yeah, can you see me? Well, Not very well. You're <laughs> kind of just like a black blob. Yeah. All right, dude. A shape, a black shapeshifter. Oh, by the way, one more thing, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's very quickly. Have you heard of the un, the the show Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, seen it. You've seen it. Yeah. You watched the thing with the aliens. Yeah. Thanks. So. Yeah. Did that not like convince you that fucking aliens are real? I'm more or less convinced anyway, but but yeah. that was that was one of the most compelling things i think the most compelling thing i've ever seen for like yeah aliens exist well i've seen a lot of shit i don't know whether you've you know it's not like something i've you know i'm not one of these people that's like i've researched shit but you know i've seen quite a lot of podcasts and stuff and to me it's a very interesting question but if, you, if i was pla placing money in a fucking casino on the question i think that they exist and i think they've been here and what do you think happened to the guy that like Jumped off through, fell through the hotel roof. The guy that just kind of ran out of the house one day. It was like the first episode. I, I can't remember what happened there. It was like this. It was like this married guy, and he, his wife had gone away on business trip. Yeah, and uh, they had a friend staying at the house as well. And she said that he just got this phone call and ran out of the house. An event, and there was this big hotel in the middle of town. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he'd, like, fallen through the roof of, like, a lower part of the building. 
Well, to me, I would have to rewatch it to to recollect the circumstances. But to me, things like that are just freak freak occurrences. So I don't think you need any kind of a, a supernatural or whatever. No, 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 I don't think it was a supernatural thing. Well, but, extraterrestrial, uh, even. I, I mean, I don't think it was, but I think there was something going on. But fuck knows what. Yeah, fuck knows what. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, certainly. But with regards to the alien thing. There's, I mean, there's a, there's a few things that I'll, I'll send you some shit at some point. There's a few things that are actually properly fucking mental if you actually look into it. Like there's photographs of crafts like in 1920 or whatever, <coughs> and it just fucking hovered above like the middle of a town, and everyone just stood looking at it, and everyone and there's clear photos of it, just weird looking thing, and everyone's just like, yeah, you know, we don't know what that was. I mean. There are weird, there's weird shit out there. I mean, if it's a hoax, if all that shit's a hoax, that's a pretty fucking well done, you know. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more or less convinced, but I would, I'm a bit agnostic in that sense. I wouldn't say I'm convinced, convinced, but it's like 90 something. Still an element of that. Yeah, a small one, but, but some. Yeah, yeah. Okay, my man. Yep. Take it easy, Dad, bro.